This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome, heroes, to Crit Academy's Unearthed Tips and Tricks. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Oh, shit. And first off, we have our monster variant, the Frigid Hunter. Our Frigid Hunter starts off with the stat block of the Null Fang, first of all. Then, we're going to give it cold immunity, and we're going to give it vulnerability to fire. The reason I started doing this is because I think we need more vulnerabilities, more weaknesses, whether it's specific weapon styles or spells, you need to be adding more. So if you're making monsters, bake that into their design, right? So, of course, we're going to make this monster uh, uh, ice-focused, and so we're going to have to give it ice walk because what kind of ice focused monster can't walk across ice like a, a bad one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we want to uh, top it off with um, some unique abilities that kind of fit that theme. So of course I'm going to give it howling blast, which is going to be not too dissimilar from something like a, uh, a, a cold breath or something along those lines where it does require a saving throw. It releases out this big 30 foot line and five foot wide blast uh, straight at them that deals not only deals da- uh, cold damage, but it also, if they fail by five or more, reduces their speed by 15 uh, feet until the end of its next turn. That would suck if your speed was 15 feet. <laughs> yeah, right? Because then you're stuck, right? You have frozen little icicles on your feet. Ah, I can't move! Um, and of course, we're going to top it off with a legendary action. It can do two legendary actions around that it gets back on uh, the start of its turn, but the core of this ability is finishing the hunt. It makes one attack against a dying creature. We're also going to give it Devour the Dying. It move, The Frigid Hunter moves up to its speed toward an incapacitated, prone, and unconscious creature. Tell me what you guys think, because the look of... I think it's hilarious, because like um, this is a great example of... I've definitely seen countless people complain, complaining about how they think 5e is too easy. I'm like, well... That's your fault, because you're not using your whole toolkit. This is using the whole toolkit. <laughs> yeah. Monsters that are hungry or have a particular goal to hunt something down, they're not going to stay and fight if they don't have to. Nope. They're going to take somebody out and then walk away with them. <laughs> Legendary action can be used on anyone's turn, right? Any At the end of anybody's turn, that's at not the, the characters. At the end of anybody's turn. That's... Isn't there usually like a uh, stipulation to how many times they can do it in a day? Yes. Yes. Not I per think day. I said two. It's per, per round. Per round. I think I said two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they can do two. But really, you're going to do it once. Something goes unconscious, and then you're going (laughs) to finish it off until it's dead. And then, because that's the point of this, right? This monster's goal is once it gets somebody's down, it finishes them off when they're unconscious and then carries them off. 
very much a savage, cold-hearted, dangerous hunter. for players. That they're cold-hearted, frigid hunter. Yeah, it'll be dangerous for players that are actually trying to do th- their death saves. Yeah, and they'll die. Um, and my 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 Wednesday kids, they're learning that and they'll die. death happens. <laughs> yep, consequences happen in, in our D and D games, and. I'm I'm brutal. F around the fine daft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like one of the characters. I'm going to short tangent. One of the characters decided they were going to play a cannibal. Oh yeah. So yeah. that he comes to the front oh, of the oh, class oh. talking to the guild master, and now I I was very clear that the people here are considered heroes, but there's so many terrible people that apply. They've become numb to rude and disrespectful people yep. just don't deal with them with so he did i don't i don't remember policy. what he did but it was so he threatened the grandmaster and a a gateway opened and swallowed him and he found himself fighting this giant thing that bit him and killed him in one bite recent game of mine uh two dragons are wrestling each other and one of them finally pinned the other one down on the ground he was a father versus son type thing mm-hmm. and one of the characters who had recently bought a shotgun Walks up and says, I'm going to put the shotgun in the uh, eye socket of the missing eye of the pink dragon, and I'm going to pull the trigger. It's like, okay, give me a deck save. All right? It's a 10. It's like, it bit your arm off. <laughs> so what? It's like, it bit your arm off. I'm tired of your main character thing. You don't have an arm no more. Well, anyways, so he goes to this portal after threatening him and then gets eaten by something. Just just one snap. Oh. And then all that comes back is his legs. <laughs> and all the players are like, what just happened? And without missing a beat, the Grandmaster says, don't worry, children. Or don't worry, apprentices. He was a cannibal anyway. He probably would have eaten you. And in, in, within 20 minutes, that character's gruesome backstory came back to quite literally bite him in the ass. Anyways, so I like monsters that are willing to go the full distance. I don't like to yeah. pull my punches, but I don't actively try to kill my players. That's not, that one I did because I was pissed off at him, but that's another thing. <laughs> What do you guys think about this? Fun? Yep. Sounds fun, yeah. Dangerous? Raises the stakes. It sounds extremely dangerous. Ooh. If they grill them, then Raises medium? the stakes. Yeah. No, that's what I said. If they grill them? All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> for our monster, the Frigid Hunter. If it sounds interesting, please consider becoming a patron. We make full stat blocks, beautiful artwork, all that jazz <laughs> just for you. All right, Bran, would you like to tell us about our encounter? Encounter. Weaken thy enemy. Or weaken the enemy. I'm not wearing my glasses. Thy sounds cooler. It does. Weaken thy enemy. <laughs> if you know you can't see why do you not wear your glasses I don't because I forget uh, the characters are present in a small city when it comes under attack by a large enemy raid <laughs> the characters themselves are not strong enough to deal with the threat directly uh, the local veteran captain uh, veteran is highlighted that's the stat block yeah. the captain Marsim Tasiko is seeking the aid of any adventurers willing to enter the enemy siege camps Ooh. undercover in order to place Two D4 vials of torpor, that's in the DMG, poison, into the enemy cooking pots. What's torpor poison do? Uh, Nasty things. Bad. <laughs> uh, uh, Markim, or Marsim, hopes that by poisoning their meals, much of the raiding party will be too incapacitated and give the local militia the advantage during their counter assault. Clever. Uh, huh. What do you guys think about this? One... I'm pretty sure that's a war crime. Two, I'm on board with all this. <laughs> also very dangerous for the players. Yes. I don't remember what the torpor poison does. I picked it because it was particularly... It needed to be ingested, but it was particularly brutal. Yeah. Does uh, it like, make you bleed from the eyes and ears? 
and the ass. It does probably. now. <laughs> it does now. That's a good <laughs> side effect that you could add that's just not part of the stats, right, and the mechanics. That's the – I like stuff like this. Ian's right. It is a war crime, but in fantasy, who cares? I did that recently with a dragon that has psionic – breath weapon uh-huh. it's like everyone saves like oh you get a little bit of a headache but you look at your teammate and they are sh- wrenching in pain as blood is coming out of their eyes and you're like what it's like, poison. yeah poison creature must exceed a dc 15 count saving throw or become poisoned for 46 hours the poisoning creature is incapacitated that's it that's brutal oh and it's only such a hundred gold pieces so it knocks them out basically makes say- a difference during an assault well so would, would you guys run an encounter like this? Yes, I would. Yeah. Would you add anything to it to spice it up? Get it? Spice because they're putting it in uh, cooking pots? Ah! Guards. Make it more difficult to get to the uh the Well, yeah, that's area. the point, right? This is just an overall concept. So they would have to sneak by. Uh, what happens if yeah. they get caught? I mean, you you're know? in the enemy camp, so yeah. yeah so <laughs> you got to... They're, and they're surrounded by enemies, so they can't stay, stay and fight. You know, they're going to... They'll probably die if they try to. Which I think is a good lessons learned uh, uh, opportunity, right? Don't stand your ground when you're going to lose. Well, I would think the two main player character types that succeed at this is like the stealth character mm-hmm. or the one who can like uh, be a shapeshifter in some way, shape, or form. Yep. You could also do like bards too coming in to play music. Yep. Just a traveling bard, minstrel. I've come to entertain you Why all my friends try to slay you. Wait, what? Nothing! all right i think that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast today our magic item is the hammer of absorption oh yes it's a light hammer that is rare that requires attunement by a spellcaster you gain a plus one attack bonus as well as to damage with this magical weapon and it bumps up to plus three when you attack a spellcaster with it <laughs> I, find that, I find that funny because this character is a spellcaster. Yep. <laughs> get spellcaster, please. Get. Also, when you roll a twenty on a saving throw against a creature, you can use your reaction to speak its command word to form a protective field that absorbs the spell's power, restoring some of your magical power. When you are the target of a spell from a hostile creature, but not all, but not area spells like fireball, make an ability check using your spellcasting ability. Equaling 10 plus the spell's level. On a success, the spell has no effect on you and is absorbed by the field, and you regain a number of spell slots equal to half the absorbed spell's level, minimum of one. And if you have no expended spell slots for the next minute, you gain advantage on saving throws against spells made against you. <laughs> what do you guys think? I find it interesting that it can only be attuned by a spellcast, but not all spellcasts are good with weapons, so you probably would have to take defeat to even use this thing. <laughs> The light hammer is a simple weapon, I think. So you but should they be don't okay. have they don't have proficiency in it. Right. But the, you can still attack with disadvantage. It's a magic vacuum. <laughs> and I like the fact that the effect only triggers when you roll a 20 on a on save. On a save, yep. So it's not always yep. uh, available. Is that a critical 20 or just 20 and above? Well, 20 on the die. Ah. Oh, natural 20. So th- this was an experiment on a new concept. Sure. 20, natural 20s and saving throws don't do anything. Yep. But they could. Watsy, if I start seeing you doing criticals on saving throws and creating triggered effects, I'm putting it down right now that it's my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, would you guys uh, incorporate this in? I know it's a light hammer, October 23rd, but it specializes with four things like dwarves. 
specifically. Um, clerics can get access to medium uh, these sorts of things. Yep. Um, so there's specific races and classes that will benefit from this far more than like a traditional wizard or sorcerer, right? Um, also works well with a warlock who needs all the spell slots they can get. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> so all right, okay. we we balanced out all our ki- our character classes for five thousand short rests a day. Me, that doesn't always happen, you dingus. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's because people don't do that, and for I mean, honestly, it's because we're adults and don't have as much time as we'd like. Yeah, but all right, that'll do it for our magic item. Uh, I just chose this because called the guys that watch these dinguses. That's okay. The only ones that's that mean. the only ones that watch our show are, are good-hearted people, I'm sure. <laughs> all right, that'll do it for our magic item. Before we move <laughs> on to our dungeon master's tip. Please take a moment to consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we have five different. Uh, price levels that you can choose from. Um, if you want to continue to support the con, you like the content we make and you want to support it, um, <laughs> maybe consider joining at Eldrin Dra- Elder Dragon tier. Um, if you do, you get access to our entire Everything. our entire full Dragon's Horde of treasure, all five years of monsters and adventures and stuff that we've yep. created, and we've gotten pretty good at it too. Like a lot of practice. It just occurred to me that we did not once mention that we succeeded on the Kickstarter. We succeeded on the Kickstarter by $11,238. Not by that much. That was the total. That's how much we ended up with. It was uh, five grand. It was nice. It was a a good movement for it. So, uh, yeah, if you you enjoy the content and you want to ensure that we keep, you know, doing this, head on over to uh, Crit Academy and learn our website and learn more about it. Like and subscribe to the show, share it on social media with your friends, and ask them to give a listen or watch. Today's Dungeon Master tip is progress clocks. Now, this is actually, I think, an improved version of what we do with uh, escalation dice. Escalation Escalation dice. dice. So, uh, first of all, (laughs) yeah, so first of all, right out the gate, this is from Blades in the Dark. It's an amazing RPG. Um, if you haven't read it, it's got all kinds of any awards and everything. It's really, really good. It's about heist, and it's a focus on heisting and stuff like that. It's really yeah. cool. Okay, so a uh, progress clock is a circle divided into segments. Um, so an example would be like a quadrant, right? Cut in four pieces. Let's see four. Um, you draw a progress clock when you need to track ongoing effort against an obstacle or uh, the approach of an impending trouble for the characters. So a good example uh, – one of the examples they give is sneaking into Blue Coat Watchtower, make a clock to track the alert level of the patrolling guards. When the PCs suffer consequences from partial successes or missed rolls, you fill in a segment of the progress clock. Now, when the clock, clock is all the way filled in, boom, the alarm is raised and they know they're in there. Now, generally, the more complex the problem, the more segments you put in the progress clock. Yep. So instead of four, maybe it's six, right? Um, you could even go to eight. It's just mm, a circle. Pizza. You can do a square if you want, I guess, but the <laughs> clock makes most sense. Gener- uh, uh, a complex obstacle is you know, a four-segment clock, while a more complicated obstacle is six clock or even eight, and it works really, really, really well. To me, it's a very simplified version of a skill challenge. Yep. And and like we said, too, it's something to escalation dice. You can use dice, too, for yep. this without any problems. Yep. But I thought that this was a really cool – and you can just do this right on your notes and keep track of it. And I think that that's really neat. Um, even then, you can like go onto – 
what Amazon or something and find a uh, Trivial Pursuit thing. Yeah. Like, oh, yes. Because it's got the little pie charts things in it, and as it fills up, you go, boop, 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 boop. Put that right in front of the. Now, would you show this to the players for them to see? Uh... Yes, because hmm. it helps raise the tension. I think it yep, depends on the player. I think certain players and aspects, like people who have a soldier background, who know uh, when they're being, when that's going up, would be able to see it. But someone who's like the ranger who has no idea how guards work, they don't see it. Oh, that's so you, interesting. So you got the soldier saying, hey, you guys need to shut the fuck up. We're about to get caught. I like that. <laughs> or in a similar vein, just don't even tell them why. Play Paul with Sandheimer and put it in front of <laughs> <laughs> just starts clicking down. I like that. Problem with Sandheimer is you can't stop it, though. Yes. Ooh, that's brutal. I did that for... Do you remember when I did that for initiative? I flipped the Pictionary. Hey, roll thing. initiative, motherfuckers. Well, no, they would... When it was on your turn, you had one minute to make an action or you were done. Because I got so... In fourth edition, it was so slow. Uh, well, we, my characters did that now and I... Shit, we hmm. even implemented that to degree with Clash of Classes. Yeah, and it, it definitely helped because you could take what would be three or four... Anyways, we're getting off topic. Again. <laughs> um, yeah, so Blades in the Dark did a really good job of this. I think this is a powerful tool. You, This is something you can keep right on your DM screen as a reminder um, for tension building. I love the Trivial Pursuit pie slice thing. That's really cool. That's why I thought of it. I saw that. I, I bet you, you can just pursuit. get those little pieces just separate that people have lost. Probably um, good. Any other comments on this? It's neat. It is. It really is cool. It's a cool idea. All right. That'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't be a dick! And you can avoid dickitude by... Playing like Lancelot. <laughs> I fucking hate this place sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so we all know that the lance is extremely underused in most D&D games. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, but it's yes. also a very situational weapon, too. Ah, isn't it the only right. weapon that has reach? No. There's others. It's the only reach weapon with a D12, I think. That's fair. And uh, one-handed. Anyway, so uh, this is often due to the unique nature and the situational uh, yeah. uh, situational requirement. Yeah. But at its core, the lance is basically a D12 piercing two-handed weapon without the heavy property. Which means short people can use it. That's important for our topic here. <laughs> so this means that, as Are you Ian, fucking kidding me? Ian pointed out, small races can use a lance. Now, <laughs> a lance is huge, right? They are massive. Um, but I don't know if it was an oversight yep. or they just decided the way it's designed and weighted. Maybe it's, I mean... Gnome's using it looks like a person using a telephone to stab somebody. A telephone, <laughs> telephone pole. <laughs> That's funny. So, since the small races, such as halflings or gnomes, can use it, yeah. uh, they use it without the normally imposed disadvantage, right? That would yep. come from using a larger D12 weapon. Yep. So, on top of that, as we mentioned, it's a reach weapon. That's that's important. Yep. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But that basically means you can reach up to 10 feet, which is phenomenal. Now, it's worth noting that any attacks within 5 feet ha still have disadvantage, because that's the nature of... The Lance. Yep. Now, lots. as we mentioned, it's unique. Well, while it's mounted, you can wheel... While you're mounted, you can wheel with one hand. Don't tell me you can put the little guy on someone's shoulders. No. Oh, it gets worse. It, it's worse. So, <laughs> worse. since you can wheel with one hand, and you choose a small race, we can acquire uh, either through class features or magic... Or via a merchant, you know, you can buy the stuff if you want to, which is okay. 
um, a medium creature to act as a mount. I honestly like my gnomes and halflings to ride on the, uh, what is the dog? The, uh... A dog? Yeah, we're kind of... Uh, there's, a, there's a specific dog in the in the book. Ooh, have it... Or as Brandon said, have him ride the barbarian. Yeah, I think a DM would probably take take word with that. But anyway, <laughs> get, get one of the... I forget the name of the stupid dog, but there's a dog in there, like 25, 20 gold or whatever, but um, really cheap. So, uh, once you get that, this means that our mount can use be used to keep the distance, right? And avoid the five-foot dead zone. Now, since it doesn't have the heavy property, we can now take the dual-wield feat and dual-wield <laughs> two 1d12 lances um, with reach and a bonus to armor class. <laughs> You're welcome. What do you guys think? I'm picturing a gnome artificer ba- battlesmith. <laughs> oh yes, because they can they can create their own like construct. Uh... That's part of their their archetype. Yes. Yes. And they can and they can use for intelligence for magic weapons. <laughs> mm. What do you think, B? You look like you're about to explode. I think it's he's. Like, this uh... is why I don't tell my players to listen to the show. I- I'm just wondering <laughs> when the whole "don't be a dick" thing turned in, in on itself to actually being a dick. <laughs> yeah. A while back. <laughs> Uh, yes. Some of it is good. So, yeah. uh, there are a lot of benefits to this. If you can pick a class that can gain benefits beyond that, there's some more that can come from this. Uh, two-weapon fighting, for instance. Um, also, a lot of the hunter abilities. So, if you pick a hunter and get an animal uh, yep. that is like a wolf or something with pack tactics... <gasps> yep. Shit. <laughs> Pack tactics can offset the five-foot limitation. Or, or run the old version of the kobold. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I like their flea ability. Like the cowardice ability. I hate that they got rid that of that. That doesn't consider a finesse weapon, is it? No. No? Uh, okay. It has to be strength-based, which uh, is not exactly something that focuses on yeah. you know, uh, a gnome or a halfling. But it's still a powerful combination Regardless, especially if you're a battlesmith. See, I, I like the idea of being a barbarian, because then you can rage, and increase the attack of both of them by your rage damage die. Well, you increase you, the damage. Huh? Attack. Well, you increase damage, not attack. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Which offsets the fact that you're probably not got a super. Well, usually, you, if you you're building this, you're going to have a high strength. Period. Probably. Um, or int. Or int. At what level is the uh, rogue get assassinate? Uh, you pick up the feet, the class at three. I don't know where you level you get it at, but you need fin- finesse, finesse for that. Finesse. Oh, that needs to be a finesse weapon. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Overall, this other... is very fun and terrifying for any dungeon master. That's your advantage. Um, okay. and the idea of this thing just running around with two giant lances is hilarious. At least you don't get sneak attack, I guess. So. Although he did make the horse argue that one time too, so yeah. <laughs> people, people might your horse can people die. see this guy right. from a distance. All they ever see is a silhouette, and like it's a mini mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> um, any yeah. other comments on this? It looks fun. Yeah, I would love to be the player showing up at this. You're doing what? <laughs> can you say that again? Because I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Ha ha! I'm not. I heard it on Crit Academy. <laughs> Uh, breaking the game one player tip at a time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we roll, huh, guys? Yep. 
All right, that'll um, do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. <laughs> and you can avoid dickitude by ensuring you protect your entire team with dual-wielding lances like Lancelot. I don't know if it... Get it, Lancelot? Yeah, like the, yeah I fucking get it. Arthur guy, but you got two lances. He gets it. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> That'll do it for our show. If you enjoy the show, please um, consider subscribing and, yeah. and following and sharing our content. Hit the bell notification. Share with your friends, please. Um, if you want to check out our content uh, and continue supporting us, or is it down here? Pick up. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Pick up uh, some of our content on our website at CritAcademy.com and share us with all your friends and all your favorite Facebook groups because we can't share there. <laughs> I'm your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your plays sharp and spells prepared, heroes. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.